The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. What if you were in the hospital with a dying child, only to be transported with him as he went into the light? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. The notion of a shared near-death experience, where a person in good health travels for a time with a soul who died, is now just beginning to be a subject for serious study. Yet our guest today, Dr. Scott Taylor, actually experienced a shared NDE as long ago as 1981. Since then, Dr. Taylor has dedicated over 30 years to exploring the field of near-death experience. A known researcher and speaker in the field of NDE studies, Scott wrote his doctoral dissertation on near-death experiences, discovering, and living in unity. Dr. Taylor is a skilled trainer for the Monroe Institute. He is author and voice of the best-selling CD from Monroe Products, Into the Light, Near-Death Experience Meditations, he also is the creator and facilitator of Monroe's six-day NDE intensive, which uses the NDE metaphor to explore states of consciousness. He has served on the board of the International Association for Near-Death Studies and continues to moderate their annual conference, and I might add, usually in a kilt. Scott earned his MBA from Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management and his Doctor of Education degree from the University of St. Thomas. He also holds a degree in spiritual counseling from the New Seminary. Scott, welcome to NDE Radio. Hi, Lee. Glad to be here. Oh, I'm glad to have you. Um, Scott, if you would, please uh, tell our audience about your amazing shared NDE. Uh, it, Lee, it happened um, in 1981. I was um, in love with a woman. Her name was Mary Francis. And... She and her son uh, were driving home from a day of sailing, and um, they tried to cross a, a highway, and she happened to look into the sun, and um, there was a car that hit her right on the driver's side door. Uh, Mary Fran was killed instantly, and her son, Nolan, um, had a, a mortal head wound. He was transported to Rochester Mayo Hospitals, and there he he lingered on for about five days uh, before he made his transition. I mention that because Nolan was the eldest grandchild in a family of nine kids, and in that intervening five days, um, the uncles and aunts, grandparents, Significant others, husbands, wives, kids, all were able to travel to, um, to, to Rochester where they could hold vigil with, with Nolan. So on the morning of the, of the fifth day, Nolan, um, started to decline and early in the morning, like about six o'clock in the morning, there were um, a team of nurses that came in to to all of us that were uh, camping out in the waiting room, 
and just told us that it was it was time that Nolan would would soon be making his transition. Um, so you can imagine with all of all of those people, I'm guessing there were somewhere between thirty and forty relatives that um, filed into Nolan's hospital room as he was about to make his transition. And as 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 things turned out, I wound up uh, being one of the last to enter the room, and and so you know, around bedside was five or six people deep, and I I wound up sitting on a windowsill with Willie, who was uh, Mary Fran's youngest brother, and there we sat and waited, and I never been with anybody who had made their transition before and mostly you just oh it's at least in Nolan's case it was very calm very easy and but it it took a while and we just stand and waited and observed and prayed and and do what you do when you're when you're bedside yes and so then what happened was that um, as Nolan flatlined, what I experienced was Mary Fran, his mother, who had been killed five days before, um, came down and scooped Nolan up out of his, his physical body. And there was this most exquisite reunion between mother and child. Um, Nolan had just turned seven, and he was, um, well, let's just say the embrace between the two of them was this exquisite reunion. And then the two of them turned to me and embraced me, and then the three of us, Mary Fran, Nolan, and I, went to the light. And when we got into the light, um, it was the, the most exquisite, ecstatic, joyful experience that I could possibly have imagined. And it just, what we did is we, it was like we folded into this, into this light, um, C.M.H. Atwater, who writes about these things, would would say that we, I had a clear light experience in that um, it was this amazing union and reunion uh, with the, the love that is the all of the universe. But a strange thing happened um, along the way, and that was that I had bilocated because I was in the room with the, all of Mary Fran's relatives, and I was in the light at the same time. Let's just say that the Presbyterian Church of which I grew up um, doesn't really have this in their lexicon, so I really didn't know what to do with it, you know, because here I am 
in the light with them and I'm in the room with the grieving relatives. And I know I am there and I know I'm fully present because I had this distinct sense of being um, so inappropriate for the room. Because here I am, I thought my face would break because I am so joyful, so there's so much wonder and this um, this sense of requited love. It's just mm. this is where words begin to fail. And because I know that I am so joyful and just moments before Nolan has made his transition and the room is filled with people who have just lost their grandchild, their niece, I'm sorry, their nephew or friend, that what I did was I wound up covering up my face with my hands because it just wasn't appropriate for me to be in the room with with them and look like that. Hmm. And so then I was in the light, I was in the room, and at some point um, I just came back and reunited as one in my physical body. They moved on, and I came back to my physical body. So, I was, I didn't know what happened. Um, as you mentioned in your um, introduction, there really wasn't this sense of I mean, near death in 1981 had just come out. Um, you know, Raymond Moody had written his book in, in the mid-70s, and so it wasn't that popularly known, and I really didn't know anything about it, let alone this idea that you could have a near-death experience and not be physically um, compromised myself. So, yes. So that, that's it, Lee. <laughs> now, how long was it before you uh, told people about this? Um, it was about 15 years before I told oh about this. So you, you kept this quiet even from um, family members for 15 years? Yeah, I did. Um, and then and then, what brought you to, to uh, the point of talking about it? Well, thank you for asking because it was, it was one of those um, unique experiences. I was on a, I was at a convention out west in, in uh, Washington and it was a break in the afternoon, and I wandered into uh, this local bookstore. And the moment I walked into the bookstore, it was like there was this magnet that drew me to this slim little volume uh, that was written by PMH Atwater, and it and it was about near-death experiences and mm-hmm. something like the untold story of near-death experiences or a title similar to that. And I took it back to my my hotel room to read while I was, you know, cooling my heels. And back in the latter part, in about chapter eight or something, there was a little paragraph in there that said, some people have um, this experience where at the bedside of one who's dying, travel with the deceased into the light. And this is known as a shared near-death experience or empathetic near-death experience. And it just hit me like a like a bolt from heaven almost. It was one of those, really, 
that describes what happened to me. And all of a sudden, I had a name. I could I could put my experience within context because I really didn't have a place to put it. Um, and and so um, I started reading, and it, as it turned out, I was doing my uh, doctoral work at the same time, and my dissertation advisor said, "Hey." You're interested in writing about um, about God and spirituality in reference to leadership. Um, so, have you considered doing research on near-death experiences? And the two came together, and I just started to pursue it in, with some academic vigor and some now personal interest because I knew you know, kind of where I fit. So I was back in oh. 99 to 2000, somewhere in there. Mm. So I kind of, by coincidence, I got drawn out of my shell and, and started to do the research on it. What a blessing that your advisor would actually suggest such a thing. At my seminary, I had to really fight for the, for the uh, privilege, I guess, of um, doing a thesis on near-death experience. Uh, I want to take you back to that um, your experience though for a second. When when they turned to you in the room, did you see them or did you just sense their um, presence? Um, I sensed their presence, um, and it, yeah, this is this is really hard, isn't it? Because um, I didn't see them with my physical eyes, but I saw them with my non physical eyes if that makes sense, um, that they're, uh, you know, we all have energy signatures, and when we're dealing in this world of the non-physical, there are, we absolutely know um, who somebody is, and they may or may not have a physical presence that we would recognize. Um, when, when I teach these kinds of uh, explorations, you know, very often, uh, you know, Grandma and Grandpa or Uncle Ned will show up and they'll just be a ball of light. But you absolutely know that it's, you know, Sally, Uncle, you know, Uncle Ned's wife, Sally. Uh, so I had no doubt whatsoever uh, who it was and who was with me. And and when you uh, went into the light, did you have the sense that you were traveling a distance, or did it all happen right there in the room? That's that's a really good question. Um, in fact, you're the very first person who's ever asked me that. Um, I it felt like I was folded into the light. I didn't have to travel like. People think of it like down the tunnel and into the into the white light. Yes, um, it all happened um, in the same place, and yet I was in two different places at the same time. And once you were in the light with them, how what was the parting like? Did they? Do you feel the uh, a sense that they said goodbye to you, or were they just enveloped in the light, and then you had to come back? Uh, my sense was that uh, there was uh, like 
when I went into the light, there was this tremendous uh, sense of merger that I was with them and they were with me and we were all in the in the light together. And then there was this sense of completion. Um, so it wasn't like they were separating from me as much as uh, we're we're done for now, and that and that I could go back um, to my physical body, and and yet there was a link established between uh, me and Noe and Mary Fran and Nolan and me and the light that's always still there, but it was it was it was the sense that. We're, we've we've done what we're this was designed to do, and, and all is good, and all is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then we just parted. Since then, have you ever felt um, their presence or uh, the their um, help from adult, from the other side? Yeah. Um, interesting, because it's different for both of them. Um, Mary Fran was very present uh, for the first couple years after her transition. And then she went away for a long time, like 20 years. And then, um, and it's really only been in the last couple that uh, she's been available again. Uh, Nolan, on the other hand, um, has always been present. In fact, he's with me right now. I he is so close and plays an, an active role in my in my life. Uh, so yes, they are they are they are very present, and I can call on them and and ask them questions and carry on conversation. The interesting wow. thing about Nolan is that you know he'd be forty something today, and. Mm. And sometimes he um, shows up as a the forty year old man, you know, with uh, with a briefcase and a tie, and he, you know, it looks all official. And sometimes he'll show up as a seven year old, <laughs> and you know, just depending upon what it is that we're going to be talking about, or or what he's feeling like, or what I'm feeling like, whatever whatever is most helpful to you, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, today I'm. Uh, the uh, uh, irritating teenager, so I'm just going to show up like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I understand from your, uh, as you were doing your research, you discovered that another person had traveled with you uh, into the light. Yeah. Maybe you could tell us about that. I would love to. Um, so what happened uh, was that as in as part of doing my doctoral research, you know, you wind up, I wound up interviewing um, a ton of people about their near-death experiences, and I found out that Mary Fran's sister had had one. And so I went to see her, and she, um, we sat down, and I had the tape recorder going, and I asked her, I said, well, all right, um, so she told me about her experience in it, and, and then afterwards, um, I asked her if she was 
if anything had happened to her while uh, she was in the room when Nolan made the transition. And she told me, actually, what happened was she had this huge, her eyes just got huge, and she had this, this startled expression on her face. And I said, well, just by reaction, I can tell you that something did. Something happened to me, too, so why don't you tell me your experience, and then I'll tell you mine. And so Mary Fran's sister told me that when she was standing in the in the hospital room when Nolan made his transition, at the time of the transition that Mary Fran had come and scooped Nolan up out of his physical body and that they'd had this amazing reunion and that the two of them had turned to her, embraced her, and the three of them had gone to the light. Of course, that was exactly what had happened to me. So, what this re- what this meant was that I had independent confirmation of a shared near-death experience. And what I didn't realize at the time was that there weren't three of us that went to the light. There were actually four. It was Mary Fran, Nolan, myself, and Mary Fran's sister. And... It, it- It's really interesting that neither you nor her sister realized that that both of you were there. Well, I have to tell you that the experience of merging with the light is one that is so overwhelming that I'm surprised I, you know, withstood that much that much love that uh, could be imparted to me. I, uh, yeah. Didn't know that, and I completely believe it because it happened to me, and she had the same. She didn't know I was there either. Yeah. Now, did did her near death experience that uh, you originally interviewed her about was that something that happened after Nolan's death? Yes, it had. She had a um, an accidental overdose of of some drugs, mm. and wound up going into uh, the white light and there she was met by Mary Fran Uh. and in no uncertain terms Mary Fran told her that she had to go back there was things that she had to do and that she had to go back now very much like Mary Fran and so it, it, it was a short near-death experience, but it was it was very clear in terms of um, her meeting Mary Fran and Mary Fran's very clear directive that she had to go back into the physical, that there really were no options to stay, and and she did, and uh, you know. It, in and around near-death experiences, there's all kinds of little minor miracles, and and in this case, what happened when she when she came back to her physical body, the uh, the drugs had left her system. So wow. um, she she didn't have to go to the hospital or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it was, sounds uh, like you know. It, I was going to say it sounds like Mary Fran is watching over 
her sister as well as uh, watching over you. It's true, and I'm, she's one of nine, so I'm guessing that she's really busy. Getting to look after all of her siblings and nieces and nephews. And, yeah. Now, Scott, what um, tell us about what uh, you're doing at the Monroe Institute and um, and how this how the, well I, I I gather you were fascinated with this experience from that time on, but how did it lead you into your research? Um, So after my near-death experience, I desperately wanted to touch that space again. It is so wonderful. And and be able to, um, you know, to talk with Mary Fran and Nolan and because they left so suddenly. And we had, we had been dating like six months. So, you know, it's at that stage of a relationship where, you know, all is, is bright and wonderful. And so I was really motivated to to try to try to find them and try to find that that space again that that space in the light that is so loving and just so pure and I did all kinds of things I toured the world and went to sacred sites and I read a ton of books and one of the things was that I went to the Monroe Institute because they had a technology called hemisync that uh, opened these vibratory windows into the non-physical universe. And so I went there. Uh, They have a program that everybody takes called Gateway. And in that Gateway experience, um, I got to touch that space again. Only this time it was um, not quite the, the shock. I mean, it's, a near-death experience is an immersion, a sudden immersion into an extraordinary place. But the Monroe Institute has the ability to take you into these into these same spaces uh, gently and with clarity and the, with the ability to go back again if you want. So I trained for the Monroe Institute for about 30 years. And in the last couple years, um, I've really kind of figured out how I could take people into the non-physical universe using the technology of the Monroe Institute and take them to the same places that I went to and that other people who've had near-death experiences have gone to. Excuse me. So what that means is that um, like ma- many of us, when, when we will make our transition, we'll be greeted. Uh, we'll be scooped out of our physical bodies. We'll be greeted by someone who will take us through the tunnel and into the light, um, who will be there with us as we meet our dead relatives and have that, that grand family reunion, that, that party. Um, and we'll be introduced to an angelic being or a being of light that will Take us through our past life experience, or our, excuse me, <clears throat> that will take us through our life review and introduce us to locales like the park, um, where there's um, the cities of light that are filled with you know, the 
centers for medicine and healing and dance and theater and light and the Akashic Records and all those kinds of places that exist in the in the non-physical universe, those places that we um, that we go to when uh, we're in that life between life stage. So I try to capture this on a on a CD, uh, which was published a couple of years ago and still is a bestseller for Monroe Products, and then turn that into a six-day workshop where we make this transition, oh, about 25 times so that people really get what it is that they can do and where they can go and how they can uh, be there. And the oh. whole purpose of it is so it becomes so familiar that we lose our fear of death entirely and that we know what's going to happen and we know that we're in control and it allows us this tremendous freedom here on the physical planet um, so that we can live our life more fully. Scott, we're just about out of time. How could people find out more about uh, the Monroe Institute and your CD? Uh Real easily. Um, MonroeInstitute.org is a great place to go. Um, okay. It has, it has both on there. Uh, Into the Light is the name of the CD. The name of the workshop is NDE Intensive or Near Death Experience Intensive. And if you have any questions, my contact information is right on that website. Great. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for... Uh for sharing your NDE experience, describing a, a fascinating shared NDE and the story of how it's focused your life on the on the study of NDEs. If uh, listeners would like to hear the show again or any other of our previous programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IANDS, please visit that website at iands.org. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>